0: Welcome to Let's Drink and Talk, a podcast where an atheist... Oh, hi! He's obviously gay... And a Christian... That's me... Who's also obviously gay... Have great conversations. Here we believe thoughtful dialogue around a table and across belief lines can make a huge difference. We are not looking for agreement, but we merely offer our perspectives because we know that change happens through dialogue and over time. I'm Brad Allen. I'm still a Christian despite being excommunicated twice... And let's note that we are going on a couple month hiatus after this episode because I, Brad Allen, am <laughs> getting married. And when we come back, I will be Brad
1: Rubendale. Hell yeah. And I'm Alex Comstock, former Christian, currently an atheist. I'm also already married. How weird is it that we're gonna be a couple of married Crazy. homos? Uh. What is this world? Uh, this week, we are going to talk about what nonsense reason you have to explain your belief in Christianity.
0: Because of spirits and love and demons.
1: How you're insane and you have Stockholm Syndrome. Probably. Good God. Just grab a drink and join us for Let's Drink and Talk.
0: All right. So we are here to talk about why we are Christian. And so mm-hmm. I brought my atheist friend on, mm-hmm. Alicia. <laughs> To talk about why we're why I'm a Christian.
2: So many penetrating questions. Oh God, <laughs>
0: are we going to really go sexual enough. in yeah. the first four minutes? Seconds. Yeah.
1: <laughs> this and anyway. we're also here with uh, Brian Vanderhyden again. Welcome back, Brian, lifelong Thanks Catholic. You. Thank you.
0: Which I find <laughs> um, we were talking about the meaning of your name Vanderhyden. Yeah, Vander means
3: um, of the.
0: Of the and, and Haydn
3: means Haydn actually is closely translated the word heathen or godless. So <laughs> so you're uh, of yeah. the godless yeah. and you're a Catholic. Yeah, so I you're doing this wrong. Yeah, I make the 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 joke that I'm I'm doing this to stick it to my family. Good to to yeah, stick it to my rebellious. my godless family, <laughs> even though that they were probably also lifelong Catholics coming from you know their <laughs> own European um, countries. So it's true. Yep.
0: So we're gonna talk about like
1: you did last time. Yeah, you two like why, heathen uh, atheists. Why the week. hell are you people Christians still? <laughs> yeah. <of God>. Still <laughs> get it yeah. together at this point. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to go first? <laughs> um
3: Yeah. So is the is the general question just why why are we Christians? Why are you why, Christian? why am I
0: Christian? Yeah. Um we can get into Catholic specifically later if you yeah,
3: want. Back. I'm I'm gonna use, I'm probably gonna use the term catholic and christian interchangeably which is bad but um no i think um, that's th- appropriate for yeah. this context yeah. yeah go for it um you know and this th- these are going to sound like weird reasons but they they really are formational pieces too so you know i you know i can't remember a time in which i wasn't catholic so you know from early age my parents were um praying with me when i was a kid you know we would um pray for the well-being of certain family members, to certain circumstances, to to whatever we were going to um, mass or Sunday church, on, you know, on a weekly basis. My, you know, parents were always involved and so, you know, I had this kind of natural involvement um from from an early age um, up until you know, probably when I went to college and I went to the Catholic university that was also Benedictine, Benedictines a Order of Catholic priests, and they have a certain way of seeing the world, and through um, um, through a through a Christian lens, through um, through that, and I I don't have um, I I think one of my biggest responses to why I'm Christian is because I started to see what my Christianity could expand to. Um, my belief wasn't just. Dependent on a certain text citation in scripture, or wasn't dependent on a particular um, scientific proof. I, I I've actually never really found a problem um, with believing in some sort of science, with believing in evolution, with believing in. I mean, there's so many scientific theories that I don't even know about, but I um, my guess is I'm not I'm not too concerned about them because I don't entirely um, base my my belief in God in what can be verified at this time at this year, at this hour, um, or what will be verified. Um, because faith, um, you know, people always say that "Mm, faith, the quote faith is not the, no, the opposite of faith is not, what is it? It's yeah. not belief. It's yeah.
0: not the lack of doubt or whatever. Yeah, it's
3: it's, it's apathy. Is yeah. what I've heard. Or is some G.K. Chesterton esque quote. <laughs> quote some, quote. some <laughs> bullshit. Yeah, <somebody> said. some <laughs> some yeah. Some. Oh, if you really see it like this. Um, but you know, and, and that's always been a is a formidable part of my life. Is. Um, Christianity for me is very, very expansive. It's not It's not limiting. It can encompass science. It encompasses uh, a variety of, of ways of seeing the world. And so that's why I stay Catholic. I became Catholic because of traditions with my parents' traditions. Um, and then I stayed Catholic because of my, my own education and different spiritual traditions that enlivened my faith and, and still do. And so, I, you know, last year I was... Part of a um, kind of like a Catholic AmeriCorps that was Vincentian based, which is based on this guy named Saint Vincent de Paul, um, which is another brand of of spirituality, which is a greater um, yeah, just another more enlivening of the world and. Um, no, I'm a Jesuit, and I'm not actually a Jesuit, but um. But you work at a yeah, Jesuit school, and at you attended there, and <laughs> oh, I never attended. Yeah. Oh, you didn't attend there. No. Oh, okay. Gotcha. No, I did not go to Regis. Um, but you know, I have embraced uh, another tenant of that spirituality, and I can get into more specifics, but that's my general response mm-hmm. first.
0: I like that you said it's the expansiveness of it that mm-hmm. has kept you there. I mm-hmm. think that's, I can relate to that in many ways, and. I think the reason I'm still a Christian, despite (laughs) Alex accuses me of having Stockholm syndrome (laughs) because I've been kicked out of multiple ones, (laughs) but I can't not do this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Love them anyway. (laughs) Yeah. But he loves me. <laughs> <laughs> but he dances with me and gives me this pretty yellow dress. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, we just watched Beauty and the Beast not too long ago. It's um, <laughs> a beautiful thing.
3: No, and I and
0: this is... I, I guess I'm a Christian because I can't not be... Hmm. Believe in God. But see, I also make a distinction between believing in God and being a Christian. I think I believe in God because... I do see, as we were referencing the last podcast, I do see the imps behind the mustard bottles, and I do, I do feel connected to some larger, non-physical reality, and um, in my mind, science can't touch that. It's not a, it's not unscientific or like mm-hmm. in objection to science. It just is a thing that is separate from what Mm -hmm. can be observed and that science is by its very nature limiting to what you can see, touch, taste, feel, Mm -hmm. observe all those things. And that spiritual realities are non repeatable and they are not necessary. There are spiritual beings that don't have bodies and that kind of thing. So in my mind, um, there are spiritual realities. A God of some kind seems to make the most sense for me using Occam's Mm -hmm. razor for me, um, with encompassing a non physical reality into that, equation. And then why I'm Christian is ultimately, I think because of, um, I, I'm so compelled by the Trinity concept. Mm -hmm. It's one of the logical inconsistencies of Christianity where Mm -hmm. there's three and one and one Mm -hmm. and three, and that there's, it's actually just one God, but there's also three and they're not just three parts, but it's (laughs) three things that happen. And for me, that is indicative of how I believe community should be, Mm -hmm. that the Trinity is, um, kind of an ever existing relationship that, uh, is expansive and welcoming at all points. And so I'm so compelled by this weird, mysterious thing, mm-hmm. which you could probably also find parallels within atomic reality or something, you know, there's a lot of ways that you could find that same thing. Mm-hmm. However, for me, Trinity embodies this concept of community that is close, but welcoming. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think comes from my past in being in a cult and being kicked out of a couple of kind of restrictive groups. Um, I've seen community that says we are in this and we put a fence around it and you are out. And Mm -hmm. so therefore I feel close to these people because I'm in this and I'm not out of it. And I think that's hideous. I think it's heinous. Mm -hmm. There's something really ugly about that. Mm -hmm. Whereas Trinitarian community is very close while also if somebody walks up, I'm like, yeah, come on in and join. This is fine. Which is also reflective of how I've done the group here and the podcast and everything Mm -hmm. is that, I don't need to draw lines around it and say, I can only be safe if there's a boundary I can. And that's reflective of the Trinity. Mm -hmm. So that's one is the Trinity. And the second is the incarnation. That's the other one that I cannot get away from because Mm -hmm. this, another logical inconsistency of Christianity is that God was, or Jesus was both fully God and fully human at Mm -hmm. the same time. And those can't coexist according to like metaphysical reality that that's what we debate in, seminary. However, Mm -hmm. they did. That actually happened. And I see that there's that kind of um, coexisting godness thing that happens a lot in my life. And I love that. Um, So I don't look to some external source constantly to save me because I believe that I am God. I am the image of God Mm -hmm. according to scripture. And Mm -hmm. so if something needs to be fixed, I need to fucking fix it. I don't need Mm -hmm. to call on some higher power Mm -hmm. to fix it. I need to do that thing. And so I find that kind of um, the incarnation concept of the two-in-oneness and the godness of um, physicality mm-hmm. really compelling. Mm-hmm. And in, in addition to that, the kind of the fact that my god pooped is really important to me. Yeah, which yeah it's My the, god poops. Yeah, honestly, because I
3: find that to be poops. more... Where's the hymn about that, by I the know way. There should be more. My god poops <laughs> in the morning... <laughs>
0: Yeah, and had body odor and all those things because if there's not verse. if yeah. there's not a um, I thought that
2: was beautiful by the way I wanted to piggyback on it. I, I, stole I, that you him. I stole that I stole that okay yeah.
0: it had other words before you started with yeah. it but there's something about the the duality of that and then also the um, existence of God in human form is really compelling to me because I can't relate to any kind of God that doesn't have understand the pain mm-hmm. that I've gone through, through mm-hmm. all the trauma. And I won't yeah. get into that. I've talked about it many yeah, yeah. times on here. So <laughs> I think Trinity and incarnation are why I'm Christian. Yeah. And my belief in magic, as
1: Alicia would call it, is why mm-hmm. I believe in God. So <laughs> so probably the biggest question, a biggest challenge that I would say is the biggest unanswered or unsatisfactorily answered question that is put toward Christianity is what do you do about people? who live and die without ever hearing of Christianity, of the Bible, mm. of Jesus. And I know how I dealt with this when I was a Christian, but I'm curious how you guys deal with that.
3: Yeah, I I don't even know if I have a term of dealing with it. Um, it, it is, and I think one of the things that, and I, and I don't want to speak for Brad, but I think that's where the idea of God becomes more expansive than I am. It's the, you know, especially from a Christian context, it's, you know, if you you know, one of the, my interpretation and a predominant Catholic interpretation of, of scripture is that Jesus ultimately, one of the the principal narratives of the gospel is Jesus opens and expands the door of who can be in, who can be in the group, you know, and to, to pretty much everyone, or that's the the radical inclusion is, is much more present in the gospels than what we see in the Old Testament. And so, I apply that concept not just to be faith who saved it. I think there's, I think in, in a lot of ways, the spirit of God moves in people without your knowing it. And, you know, and to think about this logically too, if there really is this God outside of, um, outside of time, outside of being whatever, um, it, I mean, it, it should be po- logically possible, at least that this God could move in, w- in us without even knowing it, right? I mean, that's at least you have to allow for that possibility, mm-hmm. I think, is that um, not every movement of the divine will always be known to us. Um, and I think that's an important part with with people who have never heard about a God is it's not that God was never part of their lives. It's just that we as the people we're observing the the current reality have not observed that god moved into their lives mm-hmm. and god didn't you know maybe god didn't move in the in the way of like oh that you know they didn't profess that they did this action in the name of jesus and so therefore you know I, i'm not i'm not a believer in that concept mm-hmm. right but i still think that god can move in all of us even if you're not a- acknowledging it i think there are different ways of acknowledging or being open to the spirit of God that aren't just I explicitly believe or I explicitly don't believe. Right, and in Mm -hmm. fact,
0: if you believe that humans are little idols walking around that are gods, Mm -hmm. essentially, then you would expect to see a lot of godness apart Mm -hmm. from whatever interpretation of God you might have. So whether Christian or not. I'm probably the wrong one to ask about this because I'm a universalist, and I don't I know that's believe, important, though. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. believe that anybody is going to hell, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: that was actually the question... My first question is, do you believe in hell? Either of you, both of you.
0: Yes. And... Uh, I do believe in hell, but I believe that it is um, a self chosen exile essentially. Mm -hmm. So again, from the Trinitarian concept that I believe that, you know, it's this kind of welcoming community to anybody who wants to come. Um, If, if you make those decisions that kind of close you off from other people and close you off from external stimuli in any form, um, then you eventually become you. And we all know those very small people who, you know, are angry at everything and they, they choose to move Mm -hmm. away from people rather than towards them or away from community rather towards it. And so I think that there is a self chosen exile that you, Mm -hmm. you see goodness, but you can't engage in it because there's too much bitterness or whatever on your own side. But I think that the number of people who would choose hell are really small. And I think that over time, which if there is a, eternal time after death, then everyone would eventually come to their senses Mm -hmm. and come to that love, which is Mm -hmm. why I'm a universalist. I don't think it all happens immediately, but I think that Mm -hmm. if there's an endless amount of time, everyone can engage with love and goodness without closing themselves off to it. So it's almost a state
1: of being or a state of mind. It's a state of uh, being
0: in the mm post-world that is... Will be overcome eventually. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, I'm interested in what you have to say about yeah. how. Have you read The Great Divorce? Of course. Yeah. Okay. I, this I was, love CS this Lewis. was this was call, this was reminding me of Great Divorceeing. Um. That's so, spoilers alert. Where I got it. Yeah. Spoilers uh-huh. alert for anyone who's going to read The Great Divorce. I'm about to give a plot detail. Um. <laughs> uh. So essentially, the, the Great Divorce is C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis's vision of what the conversation between someone who's navigating between heaven and hell might look like. And this is just a theory. It's, he's not saying he's got this divine vision. He's trying to say, based on my Anglican heritage, this is what I think it would be the case. Right. Um, it's a bus ride, actually, yeah. from hell to yeah. heaven. He He's in this city. He's in this vacant city. He starts out. And he actually encounters upon... Well, someone else does, but for all's sake, we'll just say he encounters about Napoleon. And so C.S. Lewis is cheeky in this, but he says, you know, Napoleon has made this huge fortress in hell and Napoleon just walks back and forth, back and forth. And all he says, it was the fault of the French. It was the fault of the British. It was, and he essentially just goes on and blaming and he can't get out of this cycle of blame because he's so angry and that's all he can focus on. Um, and then. You know, C.S. Lewis is essentially saying that he's trying to convey a moral that that is how you would get stuck inside your own head mm-hmm. so right. much and that, stuck in hell. Yeah, essentially. is stuck in hell is you would focus on something that's so unimportant and, and frankly that resonates for me too. Yeah, you know, even yeah. just thinking of my, um, you know, <laughs> my. You know some of my significant relationships too of how angry I get at these little things and I can't let them go and I hold on to them for the rest of my life and I always think about them. And I never mention them. Yeah. But like that that just that resonates with me. Yeah.
0: Um, it's were, essentially the it's uh, sorry to interrupt real quick, go but it. it's essentially the concept of forgiveness. If, yeah. If I, uh, we all know that if you don't forgive someone, it ultimately does more harm to the person that won't forgive than any. Objective harm right, to the person right. that they're mm-hmm. angry at. Mm-hmm. And so it closes you off to goodness if you can't forgive. Yeah. But forgiveness is so challenging to be able to release my right to let, to hurt back, mm-hmm. which I do have a right to hurt mm-hmm. back, but to release that right is a really challenging thing. And so for me, hell is people who are stuck in that cycle that you yeah. just said of like non-for- yeah. non-forgiveness. Can well, I ask
2: a clarifying question? Is sure, that okay? Sure. I, I want to I make sure I understand. Are you saying that people who are like that Go to hell, or are you saying that hell is a prison of your own mind? And like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen or read the play No Exit, but it's basically like Mm -hmm. three people die and they're in a love triangle and they're trapped in a room together. And no, there's no, are you claiming that that is what you believe? I
0: believe it's a statement of a state of mind that is. Yeah, it's not people like that go to hell. It's that people who are in hell are trapped in that state of being.
3: Mm-hmm. I see. I don't know what you would yeah. say, Brian. I, I mean, honestly, I have no idea what happens after death. Well, right, yeah, but I mean, but like, I, what I, you presume. I, I know, but even even in my presumption, though, I always want to say that first of all is 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 this is. I don't see. That's the problem, though. Is I don't know if I could even term it as a state of mind. I think what I would say is with the limitations of our languages, that would be the closest thing is saying that this is, but I don't, I I still don't even know what state of mind is. All I, all I know is how I could foresee a hell is being like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and that would be the closest thing that would resonate for me for hell. Not, I I go back and forth of whether I believe in hell or not. Mm. I, I really, I really struggle. I mean, and actually in the Jewish Testament too, um,
2: and, it's and, not mentioned.
3: Uh, yeah, basically. and and actually, there's there's really this idea that there might not be a hell or afterlife in, right. in Jewish thought, yeah. and that's a common um, thread among Jewish scholars mm-hmm. in Servant's Wing. So, um, so there and and you know, it, so I I go back and forth, and I yeah. and I try to think about what would what would rejecting God be, or you know, with all the things we know about trauma and socialization, you know, who. How much is like? How much is someone really choosing this? And if God is really this perfect being, does come on? Doesn't God understand that all the different difficulties and of someone's ability to not choose pain, or, and even choosing pain is a weird term? Mm-hmm. You know, that's an imperfect yeah. language yeah. and that's imprecise. So,
1: well, um, yeah, and like what the example you gave of the uh, Napoleon, yeah, it was it resonated with me as well. And I think the th- the thing about that is if you can capture. Being neurotic or having a pathological Correct. train of thought like that, you can do that from any vantage point, even if you know you're t- in a totally isolated culture on some mm-hmm. island somewhere. You know, you'll probably come up with someone who's clever enough and uses language well enough to describe that mental reality that everybody experiences at one point. And you, of course, see that described, I would argue, best of all in Buddhism, um, in terms of religious descriptions, mm-hmm. but then you could also turn to psychological and neurological uh, descriptions of that process as well. Right. So to me, what it gets down to is the language we're using to talk about reality.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And h- coming from a scientific perspective, like science is all about discarding whatever was uh, really effective yesterday, but now I have a better option. Uh, the mm-hmm. classic example is Newtonian physics. It's still true, everything about that Newton understood about the movements of large... Bodies in space is true, but now general relativity, which gives us a dramatically different view of the world, is truer and special relativity. So we use those from Einstein to describe the world. And and we're totally ready, eager even, to throw those away. Like the biggest endeavor in physics is to come up with a better way that unites uh, quantum physics. Anyway, all the, all these things and unites them and has a better way to describe reality than we had before. Right. So... You guys are talking about hell in a way that resonates with me, and resonated with me um, towards the back end of my Christianity because I was I kind of came to a similar place mm-hmm. that like hell's a state of mind. It's mm-hmm. just means being disconnected from certain parts mm-hmm. of life. But then my question is, what is there virtue in continuing to use religious language um, if mm-hmm. if Christianity is a story that makes sense to us and because we've heard it, but also the truth of God can be revealed to someone in some place in the world that's totally isolated from us. And we'll never see a Bible and never hear the story of Jesus. Well, then what is so important about the specifics of the story of Christianity? Okay. Is there not a better, more universal way to capture it?
2: And I would pack on that, especially cause I know you guys wanted to talk about the 10 commandments. Uh-huh. Um, is there an ethic, like an ethical understanding that you think the Bible has that is, um, not able to be captured in some other uh mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. method of um ethics or belief mm-hmm. so i'll
0: I'll jump in because i i don't necessarily. <laughs> Sorry, my brain is going too fast. So the, the challenge for me is that I I don't see any of these des- ways of describing reality as limiting per se. So mm-hmm. using Jesus language or God language or Christian language doesn't in any way negate science language. And science doesn't yeah. necessarily negate, you know, um, mm-hmm. psychology and all that we know about that. and And that doesn't negate Wiccan, you know, thought. It, so for me... I have no problem describing the same phenomenon through many different lenses and being okay with just leaving them without needing to reconcile. And I think that's part of the frustrating part of my brain is that mm-hmm. I don't need to reconcile realities. And right. that's, I don't know why. But, but would you
1: don't. would you recognize that that's you pretty unique to you? Like most people do understand that Wiccan and Christianity and science don't. That they're colorless. all m- incompatible. I think that they make all mutually exclusive claims. Well, I think that many of them are ways at their core. They're ways
0: of describing reality that are um, helpful if you want to look at it from a different perspective. So, for instance... Um, if we're talking about demons, yeah. right? Okay, so what is a demon? If you're talking about it from a, a scientific perspective, it's probably a you know some kind of neurological misfiring in your brain right. that's projecting this reality out there, mm-hmm. and da 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 da. If you're talking from a spiritual perspective, it is an, a you know a, a sentient being that's outside of you, and how do you you know negotiate that? Um, and if you're talking from a Wiccan perspective, I don't know that perspective, but it, there's I'm sure right, they would right. have other right. ways of understanding that. And so, but none of those I don't think um, negate the other per se. I just think because the way that you actually navigate, if you if if I was to encounter a demon right now in this house, the way I would navigate it would be probably going through all three of those ways of thinking and saying, okay, is this going to work? And if it's not, how do I negotiate it in a different way? But um, for me, I'm a practical person. I'm pragmatist first. And what works matters more to me than what's right. And so I'm happy to kind of sift through all these different understandings as I encounter some spiritual reality in order to figure out how do I move forward with this? Mm. Um, Because there's, I think there's, and, and this is part of the problem is that I, I do believe in demons and I've actually encountered what I would consider demons before. And so that's, it's challenging for me to just dismiss it because I do understand what it means to be, to have a psychological break because I've had those yeah. before and I've experienced things that are that and not that. And so the, sci- the psychological break thing doesn't, doesn't encompass reality enough. Whereas some of the spiritual language, even though it's a bit archaic, I think it does more fully encompass the reality that I experienced at that point. And so it makes sense to me.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I, I'm, my mind's going at 10,000 miles a minute too. And I'm trying to, um, and I would, I think I would say certain things, uh, I'm almost there, but I'm not entirely there, Brad, in terms of, um, for, I, I really don't have a problem with, with science or, or see them as irreconcilable, depending on what we're talking about in terms of science. If we're talking about these, that it can only be natural law, then maybe, but other than that, I'm, yeah, I, I just haven't had the, like this problem, like evolution. No, right, I've right. never said that in my yeah. sleep. Um, yeah. but and also, too, Christian language changes too. It's not stagnant. Um, you know, one of the things that, one of the things that was really helpful for me for understanding my relationship with God, and something that I wanted to talk a little bit as you were talking about Trinity and and God's relationship with us, Brad is there's this Jesuit contest by this Jesuit theologian named Karl Rahner who talks about the supernatural existential. Okay. And the supernatural existential is this, um, idea that God creates you in a way that you can create, that you can communicate with God's self. Um, and so even independently of any sort of revelation, any sort of thing, you have this ability, um, to communicate with, with God. Um, and that's, you know, it could be through love actions mentally, you know, it's, it's not it's not defined mm-hmm. but you but by virtue of being human and your and your human faculties you can do this um and so i yeah i i i'm trying to tie this all together but um i guess i don't see the language as archaic because it is ultimately changing which ultimately reflects my view of the spirit of god the spirit of the triune God that is always changing too that is never stagnant, um, right. So I, I, that is always kind of moving and ever present. And I think it's a, it's a bad view or it's an, it's a not good view that is present in Christianity that God is only present in scripture 2000 years ago Yeah. or, um, and even that, you know, there's, there's, yeah, there's, I think it's just a very poor view by a good m- amount of Christians, but I still don't think it, it, it's certainly not, um, the official Catholic view in terms of the catechism view.
0: Right. And I would say that there's another, the, the mystics are also something that Mm -hmm. give me pause Mm -hmm. when it comes to this, because Mm -hmm. if you talk about mystics in every single Mm -hmm. religious tradition, they often come to a very similar reality. Um, And that, that reality often reflects a Trinitarian understanding of God, Mm -hmm. um, which is that when I have a book called, um, love letters from God and it's like mystics from all the major traditions of religious, you know, traditions. And so, but they all have a a lot of the same language that they, um, interact Mm -hmm. with this God being and that. Ultimately, people who just interact with God in this spiritual, mystical plane or whatever um, come to an understanding of God as both impersonal personal and transpersonal which is for me trinitarian so it's the impersonal other it's the personal in me and then the the transpersonal that kind of connects me to others as well and that that is a pretty common theme through many mystics where they come to an understanding of god whether however they approach it Mm -hmm. and so for me it's all speaking to a reality that is beyond and outside of my brain um because if I can arrive there through Christianity, through mystic Christianity, or through mystic Islam, or through mystic Judaism, and, you know, Ka- Kabbalah can take me to the same place that the Holy Spirit through, you know, Christianity can, yeah. then I'm like, this is all pointing towards an mm-hmm. outside reality that's mm-hmm. not just in my mm-hmm. brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I have one yeah, question.
2: It. How do you feel about the fact that at the same time as the Bible was written, there were mystic traditions in the East that didn't necessarily claim supernatural being as part of I mean it's vague yeah. um, definitely transcendent sure. thought was part of it and definitely connection with something larger than your you know the shit and vomit um, <laughs> that, that's yeah. what I like I yeah. that's just my like d- the human experience sure, sure, sure. thing right. like your personal shit um, but Where we don't have to go back and rewrite it. Like the Tao Te Ching, uh, most Buddhist tradition stuff, you can almost read those front to back, cover to cover, and find nothing in them at the same exact time in history to uh, substantially disagree with in terms of like human rights violations, in terms of equality, Mm -hmm. in terms of... like inner peace in terms of compassion, um, in terms of genocide, all of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And those writings existed at exactly the same time and and require no uh, linguistic revision, which is not to say that you can't talk about them differently now than you would have them, but you don't have to apologize
3: for the language at the time, I'm curious about that. Yeah, I no while well you do you have do you have an answer? Brad? Well,
0: for me it reflects a God that is perfect. <laughs> because you have God revealing God's self in in um, China. And in mm-hmm. Israel at the same time, but in different contexts. And so therefore there's that's where I I believe that mm-hmm. God presents God's self in a way that is acceptable to the people that they are, but is moving them in a direction that's good. Mm-hmm. And so I if if the context is China. Um, and they're already accepting of human rights in some level. Then they, he, God can speak to God, about God's self in a way that's. I was different just laughing
2: because of China's stance on human rights at the currently. Other yeah. Moment. yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Back then, no, <laughs> just, which
0: gets to which which also gets to the the Ten Commandments idea, mm-hmm. which I do want to touch on, mm-hmm. yeah. and and all of Scripture, the laws, quote unquote laws in Scripture is. Mm. Um, that they were progressive for the time, and so you have to understand those things through the context that they were written mm-hmm. in, not through the, our context. Because mm-hmm. we can look at Thomas Jefferson and say, "What an asshole! Yeah, he a, two, owned yeah. people and mm-hmm. blah blah blah." Versus the reality is, is that he was progressive for his time, and we can appreciate that he moved culture in a way through right. his own time.
3: But
2: he and also we, didn't make supernatural claims, and I would like to
3: actually, he was a DS though. He well, so yeah, he sure, did, but I mean, but there supernatural there claims about his own. Gun. Gun ethics
1: in his own <laughs> life. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you and something that resonated with me is you guys both talked about uh, different ways to talk about reality that can be equally valid. Obviously, we break at a certain point, but my thought was like, if I get up and walk across the room, I can describe that in those simple terms that everyone understands, I can describe it in terms of the neurochemistry and what's happening in my brain, biologically, and what my heritage is, and are in terms of physics. Like, there's many different ways to capture what happens there, and they mm-hmm. are not uh, invalid because they're they're saying different things. Uh, but there, you do reach a hard wall with in, in certain terms, and I don't think you guys necessarily, because your use of terms and your understanding is a lot more open, um, obviously, especially like we just talked about hell. I think many believers who believe in hell, which actually isn't a huge percentage anymore, but those who do have a very different take on it um, than a state of mind or, or something that may or may not exist or all the things we just covered. So I guess to me... If if I get up and walk across the room, either I have a soul that transcends nature and allowed me to make the choice to do that, or I don't. It is a hard line, and one of those options must be metaphorical, ultimately. And so, that is why I—that's why I'm not religious, <laughs> because I think that when, when the minute you validate the metaphorical language or not explicit about the fact that this is a way to describe reality, but it's not some deep truth about the absolute fundamentals of reality, then I think you wall yourself off. But anyway, that was kind of my thought about the different ways to describe one event, but the, r- the real question, and I want to make sure you guys have time to answer, because Alicia and I both answered this, but what would it take to change your guys' minds? Oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: I would love to hear about that. Hmm.
3: I want to respond quickly to what you said, though. Yeah, go yeah. Ahead. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> one thing that we, I think one of the things that we've been talking about, and haven't, but I'm going to name it explicitly, is the idea of the economic trinity, you know, Okay. Um, in Catholic thought, the economic Trinity is the idea, is the Trinity experienced by people written down by people. And so when we're talking about worldviews of, of Christianity that, you know, seem closed minded or whatever, mm. um, or, or something like that, it's it's the idea that this is the people are interpreting this rather than the actual view of the Trinity. Um, and I... I think that's an important view. Once we start talking about, um, no, I can't remember how that relates, but it related in my head. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: But well, and I think religious texts are people talking, experiencing mm-hmm. God, and then talking about God yeah. from their own perspective. Thank you. Thank you. That's and that's it. where that is not. Um, that's not limiting because if I don't take the scripture as being this the very words of god written down with the mm-hmm. right you know punctuation mm-hmm. and all that it's mm-hmm. it's humans who experience this god reality and same with the the chinese folk that you talked about yeah. alicia they're humans experiencing some reality that's greater than themselves and then writing about it yeah and so the context in which they're writing about it matters mm-hmm. and the way that they the language they use matters and so there's a lot of it that can be not dismissed but understood through cont- uh, cultural context. Mm. Um, And that's where I see that when you described the 10 commandments, I was like, I mean, yeah, but you know, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's a lot there that we could unpack if we want, if we wanted to get into the Hebrew Mm -hmm. of it. But then, um, particularly I wanted to talk about, um, Oh God, now I'm blanking (laughs) (laughs) the second command. (laughs) Idol rule. G- idols, yeah, so <laughs> graven images and then also the um, taking God's name in vain. So the reality is is that if you're looking at this, God is speaking to the people who God has given God's identity to. Mm-hmm. And so it's essentially saying, don't carry this lightly. If you're going to go out and represent me to the world, you don't take that lightly. So it's not about saying the wrong word or anything. It's, intention- it's, it's, it's more about the fact that, if I'm speaking on behalf of my employer, I need to be very careful in the language that I use around that. And I need to not take mm-hmm. that lightly. Do you feel
2: like God's your employer?
3: No,
0: but I <laughs> yeah, and and it's a, g- it's a it's good a question. Fair question. But, I, but I
3: also think idolatry though, with an extended under bright and eyes vision that's one of the greatest problems with christianity that's why we have all these issues of closed mindedness these these right. misrepresentations of god that that Brad and I don't really find at contradiction with this loving world or this mm-hmm. this anti science world um, right and i and i think that's an important commandment for both of us is no you 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 can't i don't Idolatry can't just be or taking God's name in vain can't just be you swearing or you looking at right. a golden calf. That's, right. that's too much of a narrow vision of mm. of it can be though that you know
2: I presume um, that it was about worship. I think I, I for yeah. what it's worth, I think worship is evil in all its incarnations. Mm-hmm. You um, believe sacredness
0: is wrong in every yeah, context. Yeah, I do. Which we can get into in yeah, another we don't have space to talk about yeah. right now. Yeah. I just- what would convince you to not be
3: a Christian anymore? Brian? I think apathy and I don't there's I don't I don't know if arguments would w- would do that because I've I've already you know if this whole podcast has been about how um, we have a very expansive notion that it encompasses these things. I don't know what would really be. Um, difficult even if we were to find life on other planets and then we would say well jesus wasn't talking about these guys over here (laughs) (laughs) so he can't have been real so or like he couldn't have been divine or whatever i i still think i i would look at that and say but isn't that you know someone who sends god's only self into this world you know and and still experiences a part of this world that these other aliens are like or um but I think honestly apathy would, would be the, would be the greatest is not engaging in my practices, not thinking about these things or, um, just letting it fall by, fall by the wayside. And I think that's how I've come away whenever, you know, there's a time in my life in which I left Catholicism and, um, you know, and, and that was the biggest issue. Catholicism, has its fair share of like just annoying belief that it loves to keep on shoving down people's throats <laughs> for a very long time, and yeah. and those you know that's when people call me a cafeteria Catholic, but <clears throat> that's when I say, well, that's, that's not really consistent. That's why but I was
0: Anglican because you can literally be a cafeteria <laughs> Catholic. You can take what you like and leave yeah. what you don't. Know. <laughs> yeah. So, so you
3: should be Episcopal. <laughs> so
2: essentially, just to clarify, essentially it's unfalsifiable for you. There is no evidence at all that would falsify it for you. It's just. Whether or not you continue to actively practice, it would just be not actively caring about it. Uh,
3: Am I, uh, yes, and I'll give that with the question back is how would you know, one of the things is how would you prove something that goes outside the laws of nature, you know? And and I think that's that's a premise that I accept is that that premise can exist, that there can be something that goes outside the laws of nature, and therefore, if you're saying, well, you can't prove that with the laws of nature, I'm saying. Yes, you exactly. you're right. You're you're very right. Um, so I think the unfalsifiability is you know, that's gonna be one of the parts in which we do run against each other is is the belief that there is something outside this natural world. I just wanted to clarify it wasn't meant to be a like an no. organization. Yeah.
0: I'm glad you said that because I honestly that I've come to accept the reality, much of what Brian just said is mm-hmm. that it's it's unfalsifiable for me. I can't imagine a reality in which I could not, I wouldn't believe in a God. Mm -hmm. I might be convinced away from Christianity, but not Mm -hmm. from a belief in God because I truly believe in God because I believe God is outside of the physical world. And so there's nothing about God that is falsifiable. There's no, I couldn't, I can't imagine a a thought experiment that would lead to me, me to believe that God doesn't exist. Um, other than dying and getting and realizing that I just <laughs> decayed into worms. There's, yeah, no realization. there's no
1: realization. Yeah, it's literally,
2: you wouldn't know it,
0: and then yeah. you wouldn't yeah, and be. then I would be
2: like, <laughs> "F you, guys! You are wrong."
0: <laughs> <laughs> when I cease to exist, I will now know that there is no God because I will, but I won't know it because I don't yeah, exist anymore. Uh, so, know. Yeah. yeah. So but. I think that there's an element of that, and then. um, yeah. For me, it's the fact that God exists outside of time, space material. And mm-hmm. so that there's no part of me that needs to prove or disprove that. I don't need to convince anybody else of that. I'm not an evangelical. I don't believe that I that you need to believe that. Yeah. I just do. And I can't not yeah. um, because it fits mm-hmm. in my brain. Yeah. So that's where I'm at.
1: And just the there, I, I'm just stating this for the record. There's no way to do it without sounding like an asshole. But this—that's this never stopped you before. <laughs> this yeah. this reflects a general truth is that, no, uh, and it's not always because there's plenty of atheists who you could ask what would change your mind, and they all say nothing. Right. But most atheists will give that some thought and give you an answer, and most people who believe in God will say nothing. Yeah, or move so the
2: goalposts around the uh, answer. Are you yeah. sure? I, mm,
1: I've
2: I'd, I've never encountered someone when pressed in in this context where we're talking about it in depth. <sighs> Where we've had like an in-depth conversation about it, where they didn't just move the goalposts and, and I talk think, around the answer.
0: Well, let me let me say from my perspective, I couldn't be convinced there's no God because I don't believe that that's a convinced or non-convinced situation. But I could very much be convinced that the tenets of Christianity are not true, or that there's like I I could be convinced away from my religion mm-hmm. very easily if I found something that challenged it in a way that was that didn't right. logically make sense.
1: But when, when you say God. You almost, that's almost interchangeable with reality, right? Completely. Okay. So, and it, so, so God doesn't inherit, like God is not an automatically, or let me ask rather than state, but would you say God is by definition uh, an intelligent being in a sense that would there's intent in the universe and a design, is that a deal breaker? Or could God potentially be a descriptor for simply reality as it is, and that's not something we necessarily understand or necessarily has a purpose.
2: Is God sentient? Is he of necessity uh, intelligent and active?
1: God is not, is not gendered,
0: so I wouldn't say he, but yes. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. Open Yeah. Move, move in the goalpost. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: no, and that's a great question. I think in reality, uh, my understanding of God would, would encompass how you describe brains. Like, in many ways, and, and so nature is, and so reality. It it's essentially reality, so you can't disprove reality. Uh, right. Yeah.
1: Uh, but am I am just merely mean to get down to the intent piece. Like, is it a conscious mind? Well, and I would say building on that reality, uh-huh.
0: building on reality, uh-huh. I now also believe that there is intent and design behind that, um, but that ultimately God is reality and therefore not provable or disprovable. Mm-hmm. But I also... I'm one of those people that's like, yeah, I like your way that you describe brains. And that's like (laughs) that sounds great to me too. That's God. (laughs) Like I can say God or universe, either one of those fits. What about you?
3: Yeah, I this is the worst part because you're gonna accuse me of moving the (laughs) goalposts, but I'm gonna say (laughs) I just accept it. I move it all the time. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I would I don't know if I would say I think I would say either both and or neither (laughs) to your question and that um everything is the goal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was always the goal. Like, really um, the goal is God. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Because I, I, because it would be same, same along, same concept. as was what Brad was talking about is that, um, if God is reality, then, you know, g- does, does reality have to be sentient or does, mm-hmm. um, for, certainly for my Christian faith, I do believe that God yes. is sentient and, um, that ultimately, you know, God does want a, a better universe through trillions of means that I don't even know about. Um, but, uh, I, but it could also be that, you know, the, uh, the concept of God, you know, could not be and could be this random conglomeration of something that I have no idea. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think there's, yeah, I think we're talking about two concepts of the idea of, a you know a being outside and then our own christian f- faith and in, right. in, in conjunction with that and so And for
0: me those are separate. I yeah. could be talked out of christianity I couldn't be talked out of belief in reality. Right, right. Right. But anyway, so now that we've hashed that out, let's end <laughs> this shit. Good talk, everybody. Good talk. <laughs> Thanks, please, guys. Please subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud and leave us up a review. It, it actually does help us a lot. Go to drinkandtalkpodcast.com or email any questions or comments to let'sdrinkandtalk at gmail.com.
1: This episode was produced and edited by Brad Allen. Katie Owens and Philippe Trindaji are our marketing gurus. And our theme song was written and performed by our good friends Jonathan and Sam with the Query. Check them out at the query.bandcamp.com A special thank you to our guests, Brian, Brian Vanderheiden. God, I messed Get up on it the together. first name. Get it Brian's the easy part. Uh, <laughs> and Alicia Pruitt, and thanks to you for listening. Don't forget, we're
0: going on a couple months hiatus after this episode because of my wedding. Woo! Join us again next week and remember to keep talking. Join us again in several months. (laughs) Keep talking. Keep
1: drinking. And for
0: the love of Christ, keep it thoughtful.